Taylor Johnson has a special. If um, y'all know this song, just feel free to sing with me. It's totally fun. Praise to 
Great job, Taylor. Great song. And uh, right out of the book of Revelation, all those words are, and Revelation 4, it's the scene in heaven and all the angels around the throne singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and worthy is He. He deserves our praise, and, and certainly uh, just a neat, neat scene in heaven. Head to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 tonight. And, and I want to speak on the subject tonight of an opportunity. An opportunity. And uh, tie in a couple of scriptures that we mentioned this morning in our Sunday school class. <clears throat> which are in Second Thessalonians. It says in Colossians chapter 4. Paul's kind of wrapping up this prison epistle. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Word of God says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open Unto us a door of utterance. I'll just stop there at that comma. And, you know, really and truly, and I want to tie it in these two scriptures, looking at verse 3 of Colossians 4, just a few pages over, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. This is the scripture we mentioned this morning in Sunday school. Second Thessalonians 3, 1 says this, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. In looking at this door of opportunity, I'm thinking about these uh, two phrases here in this verse, and we'll continue on in just a second. But in Colossians 4, 3, it says, praying for us that God would open a door of utterance over here that the word of the Lord may have free course. Folks, those are two things that every preacher dreams of. Every missionary and we as God's people should dream of. What is our desire? I want a door of utter... You know what that means? Give, give me, Lord, an opportunity to do something for you. Give me a, a door... And then it says uh, here in this passage, it says a door of utterance, and then it, back over here in Second Thessalonians, it talks about another door, an opportunity that the Word of God may have free course, that it could be proclaimed to have a, basically, could I have a chance to speak it? Could I have a chance to share it? Every one of us should be praying for a door of opportunity. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for the preachers everywhere, not just your pastor, but preachers everywhere, that they would have opportunities to speak and to share the Word. But shouldn't we personally, each and every one of us in this room, pray that God would open up a door of opportunity, a, time, a chance that I could, and it says to, of utterance, that just means give me a chance to speak. Or that the Word of God would have free course, that you could freely share, that you could freely do these things. And that's what we see here. Paul is very excited 
even as you read these last words of this letter, and, and I believe it says in the very uh, last verse, yeah, it does, that uh, he says, I'm writing this with my own hand. Sometimes he had people to help him uh, write a letter. Some people think that maybe his eyesight was bothered. He talked about how large a letter he wrote. I think that was the book of Galatians, but how large a letter he wrote. But a lot of times Paul took his own pen and parchment, piece of paper, ever what it was, and he penned these letters. And this is one of the prison epistles. He's writing this from prison. Now, some think that he's in prison at Rome at this time. He gets out and then he is rearrested. And that's whenever he writes uh, the last prison epistle that he writes is Second Timothy. And we'll turn there in just a second to see this. But folks, if we're ever going to have a door of opportunity in your life, we need to know this. Number one, you're not alone. You're not alone in your work for the Lord. There's people here at this church who will encourage you and help you and strengthen you. And also, if you ask somebody, the best way to ask anybody for help is uh, a lot of times I tell people this that are always, you know, uh, uh, people that are asking for volunteers. Miss Joy asked for volunteers for Vacation Bible School. Uh, Miss Denise asked for volunteers for uh, with the meals or different projects. Some Sunday school uh, teachers ask for... The best way to ask for volunteers is face-to-face. You know, you can get up and make a, make a plea and say, would somebody help me? Well, everybody thinks everybody else is going to help them. But if you ask somebody face-to-face, then they have to make up their mind, am I going to help you? And that's, but that's the best way because you're letting them know a sincere need. So if you want to serve the Lord to a greater, get somebody, ask somebody to help you. Ask somebody, say, would you like to go with me to visit somebody? Or would you like to go with me to check on somebody or to do a project uptown or at church or what have you? We'll see that in just a second. It goes on to talk about our burden or our opportunity in verse, I'm in Colossians 4, 4 now. Then I make that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Um, I was sharing this earlier in the BTC class, the Bible study class, about a door of opportunity that I had to talk to uh, Jerry Miles, a fellow that I met in uh, Oil Change Place, Menden, Louisiana. Uh, said I didn't have very long to talk to them about the Lord, and I shared with them how I did that. And uh, matter of fact, it was real easy for me to remember his name just because to me, Miles is associated with an oil change because that's associated with a car, and a car has miles on it. So I can remember his name that way. And uh, so we're trying to remember Jerry Miles's name, and I uh, told him about, I said, listen, Jerry, if I don't see you in this life, I hope to see you in the next. And uh, said, I hope to see you in heaven. And he was, he was paying for his oil change. I knew I didn't have very long. And there was a track in the car, but the car was being worked on. I didn't have an opportunity to get it. He said, well, I believe we will. And uh, so, and we just had about three or four seconds there. And I said, well, I'm praying for you. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he said, well, I believe in him. 
So I really don't know what he meant by that because he, he had to ease on. I know he had a good uh, uh, supper and that is, uh, excuse me, Thanksgiving and that his uh, kids lived around El Dorado. <laughs> That's about all I got out of, out of that in our short visit. But it's, so it says there, again, look at verse uh, 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, people that aren't, aren't saved. And then if you're talking to people and dealing with people, look at verse 6. Let your season, excuse me, your speech be always uh, with grace, seasoned with salt, <clears throat> that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer every man. And certainly, uh, Jesus even talked about this in being uh, uh, wise as serpent and harmless as dove. How do you conduct yourself as Christians? How do people see us? Do we take every opportunity? <clears throat> Verse 7, all my state shall Tychicus de- be uh, declared unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful men- minister <clears throat> and fellow servant in the Lord. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Well, and then he says, I'm sending him with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So apparently Paul was allowed these visitors and uh, Tychicus and Onesimus two guys, and he said, I'm going to send them to you. And that's where I want to talk about just for a second, those, you know, asking somebody to help. There are always, usually, if, if you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, there are other people who want to help. All you have to do is ask a lot of times and find somebody. And I'm sure, you know, Paul's saying, y'all know anybody? who will go to Colossa and check on the church there at Colossa. And apparently Onesimus and Tychicus, who, they, who Paul brags on, he says, man, they're faithful servants. And they're going there to do two things. I'm going to let you know how things are here and to be an encouragement to you. And so we're always needing somebody to step up and say, I'll go and I'll be an encouragement to somebody else. And they went where? Who's he writing to? The church at Colossa, and which is hence the name of this book. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, Aristarchus, Tarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Uh, <laughs> he can't go. Why? <laughs> He's in jail with Paul. <laughs> he helped Paul out so much in the situation they were in that they're in jail together. And then it says, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, that's John Mark who left Barnabas and Paul on the first, they didn't realize they were, that's his, depending on which Bible translation you read, it's either his nephew or his cousin, either way, sister's son. Touching whom you receive commandments as you, if he would come unto you, receive him. So he's bragging on Marcus, sometimes he's called John Mark. And then verse 11. And Jesus, which is called Justice, not Jesus the Savior, Christ, who also of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. 
And then he goes on. So he's got people around him helping him. Epaphras, who is one of you, he's bragging on people. Can you imagine thinking about these, these people behind the scenes? Paul did not go along. Folks, if we want Brother Joel, our missionary, all right, and, and we've got several missionaries that we love to help. We've, we've got uh, Brother Ravel. We've got Brother Glenn. We've got, and over there, what a marvelous work. Did you know that there's two machines that accompany? You know, it's amazing the doors God opens whenever you ask for help and say, is there anybody who will come along and help me? And Paul's saying, this guy helped me and this guy helped me. Those guys are coming to check on you. Marcus is helping me. Epaphras is helping me in verse 12. We'll get to verse 12 in just a second. And said, all these guys are helping um, Brother Jeff and I. And uh, Jason, we were walking over there to two reverse osmosis diesel-powered water filtration systems that will take salt water and convert it to fresh, clean water. Two machines that are valued at a hundred grand apiece were donated by a company out of Texas to help Brother Glenn's work. Huge pieces of equipment. Brother Jeff was there today and was looking up and said, my goodness, brand new. Jeff, immediately being a mechanic, he looked at the hour gauge. Man, he's only got two hours on this machine. Man, he said, this is great. Brand new looking machines and the motors and the filters and all of this stuff and thousands of buckets and everything and, and uh, 200 uh, big suitcases, orange that are survival kits for families, all kind of stuff that have been donated. The value of those uh, uh, survival kits are at $200,000. Just the survival kits. Just, and what is this? Brother Glenn's asking for help. You know, and so many times, and we've seen it before, you know, we have a missionary and, uh, who needed a place to live in these past three years, started a church, and we put the plea out, and we, besides our $900 a month that we give to our missionary, we didn't ever pay anything extra on to pay for a house and to pay for a, a, the, the truck or to pay for the van in all these churches. Matter of fact, I had two churches call me today that heard Brother Joel, because he, he sent out his email report, is headed uh, in a new direction. What can we do to help? That was encouraging to get those phone calls this afternoon and say, what can we do to help? We'll be along for the journey with you. And uh, that was Highway Missionary Baptist Church in Huntington, Texas, and Shady Grove Missionary Baptist Church uh, just up the road. And so, you know, it's great to get those encouraging phone calls. But what it is, you know, we could not do what we do. And, and then we were leaving the warehouse and Brother Joel Meredith said, listen, Tell Promised Land, we could not do what we do over here without y'all's support and prayers. And that's what Paul's saying. He's bragging on everybody who's helping him. He's saying, what is this? The whole purpose of tonight's message is a door of opportunity. We have Promised Land. A church in a small community outside of a small town. Every now and then, I know this has never happened to anybody in here. I'll go up, you know, at seminary. And and uh, I didn't know that there was this, uh, this natural boundaries and geography to Arkansas. 
And people up around Little Rock, and they said, well, how's things down south, Brother Michael? <laughs> That's the best place to live. What are y'all doing up here? <laughs> and uh, talk about us being kind of off the beaten path and down in L.A., Lower Arkansas. Never heard that before. First time Brother Larry said somebody mentioned L.A., I said, I've never been there except one time in a plane. I just stopped. I said, he says, I'm not talking about Los Angeles. How are things in lower Arkansas? I said, never heard it. Well, how are things up here? I said, the good Lord lives down in South Arkansas. I don't know about up here. But you see, it does, you know, a little old church. Uh, and I know God's blessed us with numbers and different things, but it's not about size. It's not about your ability, but your availability. Doing with what you have, giving with what you have. God doesn't care about the size of your gift, but the size of the heart behind it. That's what he's caring about. And that's what Paul was bragging about here. It was a door of opportunity. I'm stuck in prison. I'm in prison. I can't leave, hence prison. But guess what? God has given me a door of opportunity, a door of utterance. And that the Word of God could not be hindered. Look at him, verse 12. Epaphras, hey, he's one of you. A servant of Christ, saluted to you always, laboring fervently with you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you. Man, that's great. Man, I'd love to say, man, you know my church member, man, they're excited about the Lord. I love to brag on my church members that, that want to do and that are excited about the Lord. That's what he was doing. This is not Epaphroditus. This is a different guy. Just He's just Epaphras. Remember, Epaphroditus is the fellow who almost died from overwork in uh, Philippians. He said uh, in verse 14, Luke He's the fellow that wrote Luke and Acts. And if you add it up, him and Paul almost tied. In words, Luke wrote more than Paul. You think about Paul's credited, with, depending on Hebrews, about 12 or 13 books. And I forget the number exactly. But if you add up all the words Paul wrote down and all the wrote words that Luke wrote down, Luke beat him. Acts and the book of Luke. More words. But nevertheless, so these two guys are co-laborers. These two guys are hard workers. These two guys are writing inspired word of God. He said, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Listen, he is bragging on Demas. But just a few pages over, <clears throat> you may have a mark in your Bible, Second Timothy 4.10. It says, uh, if you read that, it says, Demas forsook me. Having loved this present world. Hmm. Look at verse 11. I'm in 2 Timothy 4, 11. Luke's still with him. And Mark's hanging around and he's working. The young preacher Timothy, he's doing his part too. Which means this. Why did... Why does Demas, he, right here, he's, he's with them. Back in Colossa, Demas is, he's working. It doesn't mean Demas lost his salvation. It just means Demas got discouraged or distracted. Remember what I told you Satan wants to do to you? This week, he's going to discourage you. 
I guarantee you. If you try to do anything for the Lord this week, Satan is after you. He's going to plant seeds of discouragement in your heart. The Bible says that those seeds will start coming up. And it's between you and the Lord whether to uproot them or not. It's your choice. And then lastly, in close, and I want to skip down to verse 17. I'm back in Colossians 4, 17. Oh, by the way, I need to give you a message, he's saying. And say to Archippus, <clears throat> tell him, I got a message. You need to tell him something. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Got that underlined in my. My Bible, do you have a job that God wants you to fulfill? I preached on one word tonight, opportunity. Paul was making the best out of the opportunity God had given to him. You have an opportunity, a door of utterance, that the Word of God would have, as it said over in Second Thessalonians 3, that the Word of God would have free course. What are you going to do with your opportunity? Whether you got a minute and a half in an oil change place or a chance to pass out a track to, give, to invite somebody to church to share the gospel, tell them your testimony. I said, uh, you've got a ministry. You've got an area of service. What is your area of service? Fulfill it. Fulfill it. As we prepare for him invitation. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity here tonight. It is an opportunity given to us. Help us to learn, Heavenly Father, from missed opportunities. Help us to learn whenever we, at times that you need us to step up to do for you, to live for you. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given to our church. In Jesus' name. Amen.